0: Well, it's good to be here with you, and it's kind uh, counted a privilege to be able to uh, share and to to just uh, spend time. I've I've enjoyed the services we've the time we've gotten to spend here in the services this past weekend, and uh, I had to just was singing that song, enjoyed that song. Tim, I don't know where he is. I don't see him now, but anyway. Uh, there you are. I might ask you to lead 270 at the end, Tim. Uh, if, but that I had to think of. Uh, you know, there's. We come from different places, and it was really hard for me. Where we come from, we sing "Hallelujah" there on every every line. So it seems like there's something missing. We all come from different cultures, and if we were here, those you. Uh, I believe that was Wednesday evening. Leon shared. He talked about, you know, we we didn't have a choice of where we were born. None of you had that choice, and so we, where we've raised, where we've been raised, where we've been born, where we were born, where we were raised. Some of that you didn't have a choice, and you've got some choices to make now in this stage of your life, but. There's, there's culture difference and yesterday was Martin Luther King Day and I understand one of your classes you're going to be talking about uh, uh, racism here sometime this week I heard. Uh, is that right? And so your teacher might tell you different here, those of you in this class, and that's, that's okay, I'll, I'll, I don't care. But how many races are there? how many sell so some hands go up one not quite exactly right just about though you're right in a way there's a saved race and the fallen race you're either one of one of those two there's different people groups the different cultures and we have different cultures here i hear some of you pronouncing words wrong you know who makes it wrong? Who makes it right? Uh, but anyway, that's not what I was going to talk about here this morning. But I just uh, thought it came to me there, and as I, uh, I'd, I'd love to be here for that class, but I don't know that I will be. But uh, I'd like to think this morning about heroes. And when we think of famous people, heroes, where does your mind go? Who, does it, who do you think about? And I trust that with what you've been hearing and studying this last week and two day day now, going on two days this week, that image or, or or who your heroes are may have changed or may have solidified if they were good heroes. But those heroes in your lives, what is a hero? The definition is a man or a woman who displays courage in the midst of adversity is, and is held in high esteem by the community. This can include historical individuals or characters from legend and literature. I think it's also anybody that just you look up to. I heard that uh, somebody saying that there's young boys around here that are looking up to some of you guys back there. They're, they're watching you. And I don't know what their reasons are exactly, but there's, there's reasons for that. Maybe because of what you say, how you play, um, what you drive. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that, that, that young fellows look up to the older ones. And if you, th- if you talk to somebody that's uh, eight years old, who's his hero? It's probably his dad, right? Right? His dad uh, drives the right kind of vehicle, the right kind of tractors, the right kind of... As he gets older, sometimes that changes a little bit. Do you, do you all remember anything like that? When suddenly things weren't... Dad didn't quite do everything all right? And as you get a little older, you'll, that'll change again probably. And he, he is doing everything, you know. You, you gain a lot of A lot of respect. On January 13th, last Friday, there was a man that is very well known, a hero to many passed away. Can anybody tell me who that was? Okay. Could be. I don't know. I'm thinking of Robbie Knievel. And I don't know how many of you I've heard of him. Uh, I, I've barely heard of anything of him, but I remember in my young days hearing about evil Knievel, spelled E-V-E-L. So don't sound quite as bad as it sounds. I mean, the spelling's better than E-V-I-L. He didn't want it spelled E-V-I-L because he didn't want to be thought of as evil in that way. But he was—he uh, was named so he was given the name Evil to go with Knievel. He was a a man that was a daring young fellow and he was famous for his uh, motorcycle escapades. He did uh, famous jumps. He was a hero and his son took on, took on that uh, sport and was famous for his motorcycle jumps. He followed his father's footstep but achieved a lot greater feats. He died from pancreatic cancer at 60 years old this past Friday. His dad, Evil Knievel, died in 2007 at 69 years old. And you know, I remember hearing those stories and, and standing in awe of the things that the jumps and the things that he made with his motorcycle. According to Wikipedia, his core values were keeping his word. If he said he would do a jump, he said a man has to keep his word, regardless of what happens. Happens, he keeps his word. And he would do it even if he didn't feel good about it. He was a man that spoke out against drug abuse. Before his jumps, it was said that he would encourage young people not to get involved in drugs. Well, Robbie, his son, completed over 340 jumps, setting 20 world records. Those included a 130-foot jump between two 13-story jockey club towers in Las Vegas. And I looked up those towers there, 249 feet tall. So he was up there, 249 feet tall up on top of these, of this tower, jumped 130 foot. This building's 100 foot. so it'll be about the length of the whole building. The gym here is about I think these are 25 foot spacings, but so it'd be 100 so the jump think of the jumping, standing outside, jumping that motorcycle from one end to the other, 100, 249 feet in the air. And he had to, have, and I remember that one. I remember uh, seeing pictures of that. He had a big stack of bales of hay at the far end of the other building that he crashed into, and that's what stopped him because he knew he couldn't get stopped. He did a 228 foot Grand Canyon jump. He did lose control on his landing there and had a broken leg. He, he did a 230-foot jump over 10 limousines. Well, his dad, Evil Knievel, if you look up his, if you go to his website, he says, uh, The Man, Evil Knievel went head-to-head head with danger, lived to tell the tale, despite failed jumps, crashes, multiple broken bones, 34, they say, He always rose to perform again. This unconventional attitude to do things that had never been done before is exactly what made him a global icon. Evel Knievel is an inspiration to people, young and old, who recognize they wanted to be in control of their destiny. Hear that? They want to be in control of their destiny. People who want to go out and do great things, people who use drive, determination, personality, and hard work to become their own legend. Well, I hope, I trust we don't have anybody here that's trying to follow that kind of a daring, reckless lifestyle. And we have much greater heroes, godly examples to follow, men and women that are willing to risk their lives for Christ. In many of the, those countries that we saw pictures of this past weekend, those are real people that are facing Just, just simply to to uh, be baptized to make a statement for Christ is that there's a death penalty on that if they're caught. If you read, there's books out there, uh, women that risk uh, killing Christians. I don't know how many of you read those books. I think they're good reads. They're people that are these. They're pretty recent books, and they're people that are alive right. Some of them are still alive. I don't know if they all are, but they are risking their lives to spread the gospel, and they're they're uh, and it's just amazing stories. And it's going on right now, today, and and they're sharing the word of God. They're risking their lives, and it's not to yeah. They are risking their lives. Am I saying it right? To control their own destiny. I don't know if they're controlling their own destiny, but they're making a decision that determines where their destiny is. And they're willing to risk their lives to make that decision to live for Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Several years ago, I was sitting with a group of uh, fellow ministers, and we were trying to come up with subjects for some upcoming meetings. It's just been quite a few years back, but... One of our group recommended we use this verse as a title for the message: "Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." And I tried to visualize that. How would I deal with that title? Where would I go if if I was asked to have a sermon with that being the title? Doesn't that sound a little conceited? "Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ." You know, Apostle Paul could say that, but, but can we say that? Can I say that? But what? Why do we question that? You know, I was so blessed by, with the meetings this past weekend. You know, shouldn't every child of God be able to say that? Follow me as I follow Christ? In humility, recognizing that I don't have the answers. But we have someone to follow that has the answers. We have someone that left us a perfect example. And I think you heard about that Friday morning. I wasn't here, didn't hear that. But we have a map to follow, a guide, a book that was written by the inspiration of the creator of the universe. If our focus is on him, if we have his mind... Then we can say with confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. That is the qualifier, as I follow Christ. If you want to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, I'd like to read a few verses there. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. Verse 5, let this mind be in you. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this morning I ask you, who is your hero? Is it some famous football? or baseball player, someone that has accomplished some incredible shots in basketball or a record amount of home runs in baseball, someone who could do incredible jumps with a motorcycle. Is your hero someone that has it all, the latest model car, truck, tractors, perfect picture, perfect farm, a big business? All the necessary toys to fit every season. Does that lifestyle sound like it meets the qualifier? Follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I wasn't here for all of Ruben's talks. I, was, I heard most of them. But maybe he gave his life story. There's, there's a book, I think, that gives his life story. I've read part of that. So I don't know if he gave you his life story, but my understanding is that he served for many years as a director of faith mission, touching lives of handicapped people, being there for youth that had questions and that were struggling to find their way. You know, him and his wife were simply willing to be used where God called them. And God is still looking for it. He needs those that are willing to be used, that are willing to stay and to work. Stay right where you are, to work, to make so others can go. Along with that, I think he's calling you. We need to recognize that every interaction we have with people, from parents, siblings, cousins, employers, employees, customers, is an opportunity. It's all a part of serving Christ. That having the mind of Christ should follow us all the way through life, in every part of our life. There's not a separation between here is work, here's my business, here's my Christian life. That can't be separated. As conservative Anabaptist people, we have a lot of entrepreneurs. We are motivated, encouraged to start your own business sometimes I think we overrate that aspect. You know, not everyone is gifted in that area. Some of us do better working for someone. And sometimes I think we find it hard to find good employees because we're not good employers. If you're an employer... You should care about your employees, about their spiritual welfare, about their financial we- welfare. I'm blessed when I talk to employees that love to work for their employer. When they talk about their, their uh, boss it's, or who they work for, it's, it's with respect. It's, it's, uh, they, they know they're cared about. I recently had the opportunity to talk to several employees that worked for the same employer in a, in a short time and it was at different times and I knew their employer so I would in their conversation I would ask them how it's going and ask them about how how their employer was doing and every one of them talked almost with reverence about their employer they would say what a great guy he is! He cares. He, he's 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 just a really nice guy to work for. And this this employer, I've I've uh, had interaction with him in the past, and almost always as we talked, our conversation would go to spiritual things, and he would talk about the. Uh, the needy people that he had working for him and, and how much he cared about them, how much he, he wanted to try to help them. This man's not an Anabaptist, but he is a, he is a believer. And it, it's just a real inspiration. It was a real inspiration to me and to me again as I recently talked to several of his employees. That should be the goal and aspiration of every. Christian employer is to be that kind of a person. A Christian should be the same person out on the job or in the office as he is behind the pulpit or Sunday school teacher or clerk or wherever you're working. You know, I believe after Saul was converted, he was the same man making tents or sharing Christ, in prison or free. The atmosphere around the child of God should be such that there is freedom at any time to speak your word for Christ. I don't know what all you guys do, but while you're pouring concrete, while you're trying to get hay in the barn, you you should never be that kind of person that the people around you have to feel like they're walking on eggshells. You know, if we say something or do something wrong, pieces are going to fly or they feel like that at any time they might get a few choice words thrown in thrown in along with the silent treatment or maybe worse yet harsh words what kind of a hero is that person going to be what does he or she have to offer you know when we think of heroes we often think of david and that favorite children's story and i think it's a favorite adult story too that that encounter he had with Goliath. Think of Samson and the many great defeats at his hands. Jonathan and his armor bearer's victory as Saul and his men sat down under the pomegranate tree. If you want to turn with me to 2 Samuel 28, I'd like to read read this uh, account given of Heroes of mighty men. Second Samuel twenty three verse eight. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tacchemanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He left up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahodite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defied, the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. One man. That was left alone. The others left him. They only came back for the spoil. After him, verse 11, After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And the three of the thirty went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephium, and David was in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me to drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men brake through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord and said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, of the son of Zureah, was chief among three and lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among three. Was he not the most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of Valam, Of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow, and he slew an Egyptian and a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with his staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiath the son of Jehoiada, and had name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty. But he attained not to the first three, and David set him over his guard. You know, we could take time to look at each of these heroic stories. We won't do that. But as we think back of David's confrontation with the giant Goliath, we remember David's words. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He didn't take the credit. And he trusted his God to deliver his people. And I think many, if not all, these stories we read, that's the case. It was the hand of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 we have the chapter of the heroes of faith. And I'm going to break in there at verse 32, Hebrews 11:32. And he says, "What shall I say more for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire." "'Escaped the edge of the sword. "'Out of weakness were made strong. "'Waxed valiant in fight. "'Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. "'Women received their dead, raised to life again, "'and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, "'that they might obtain a better resurrection. "'And others had tr- trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, "'yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. "'They were stoned. "'They were sawn asunder. "'They were tempted, were slain with the sword.' They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we are, also, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, when we read those stories out of Samuel, and all those wonderful feet, those great feats. There's something about that we like to read. Those We like to, to read the story about Daniel in the lion's den. We like to read the story about David and Goliath. But when we read, get down to this last part of this, these heroes of faith here, where it says, talks about cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonments, stoned sawn asunder, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. Does that look so? Doesn't look so good. It's not doesn't appeal to the flesh. We shrink from that, those kind of things. But then he gives us the the example of our Saviour in there in chapter twelve he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Jim Elliot says, he is no fool to give who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. If we're following Christ, we cannot lose. It doesn't matter what happens to us. We're part of a kingdom that will never fail. You know, our king is alive. That is, uh, Christians are the only ones that are serving a king that is alive, that will live forever. We can be a part of the only kingdom that will endure forevermore. We serve a living Lord. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You, know, we saw, you all saw a lot of pictures of bad things that have happened in the world recently. Some of you here have went through... Hard times. How do they work together for good? To them that love God. I think the answer there was in Hebrews 11 and, and and 12. To them that love God. To those that understand that God is good. He is always good. Nothing happens that doesn't have to go through his filter. He has to allow it. And finally, if we remain faithful, you know, what is time in the light of eternity? Most of you are all down here, probably close to 20. I don't know. You're at least supposed to be 18. And so if you're 20, you've already lived. If you live to be 70, the average lifespan, you've lived over 25% of your life. If you live to be 80, you're at 25%. And if, so if you look at the clock and think of that clock as those 12 hours, you're 80 years, you're already, you're already down at the uh, three. You've taken up 25%. I'm already, don't want to say where I am, I'm a, quite a ways around there already. And it goes fast. I'm 54, I don't care, I don't mind saying where I am. Uh, It really doesn't matter how long you live, the years are all the same, whether you live them now or yesterday or tomorrow. But time, what is time in the light of eternity? So little. And furthermore, we have no promise of that 12, we have no promise of those 12 hours, if we want to look at those 12 hours as a lifespan. Many people don't make it. Around there, So we have no promise of that. And as, if we're faithful, what well, is time in the light of eternity? As believers, it's our responsibility to be heroes of faith, to bear the light, to tell the world around us that there is hope, a living hope. He goes on in Romans 8, 29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he did, also, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? Dean Taylor, I heard him talk about this passage, and he said, this Passage is the Christian's nuclear weapon. Dean Taylor, if you don't uh, if you don't, he, he wrote the book, "A Change of Allegiance." It's a very good book. He's, him and his wife were uh, both military people, very involved in the military, and they were Christian people. but they came to the place by reading the Bible that they realized that that wasn't the place they could be. They couldn't serve there. And he wrote the book Change of Allegiance. But he said, but <clears throat> go on, think of that in this way. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present... Nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, if we go to Romans chapter 16, we're not going to go there, but if you read that, read that sometime. There's a lot of names in there. See if you can pronounce them all. And there are people that Paul was commending for what they were doing for their service. But we don't know anything about them. It doesn't really matter if we know anything about them. It doesn't matter if other people, if we're not well-known, if other people don't know what we're doing. That's not what matters. What matters is that they were laboring in the kingdom of God. They were sharing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. It doesn't matter if the world knows our name. What matters is that our name is written in the book of life. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, we have the Apostle Paul's, some of his last words here. He says, for I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And I trust that everyone, it's it's all of our goals to be able to say this at the end of our life. I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Who is your hero this morning? Who do you want to emulate? Who do you want to follow? What is really important in life? You know, Robbie Knievel, 50 years from now, very few people are going to know his name. I would venture to say that to people, there may be some motorcycle enthusiasts and stuff like that that may remember or his name might be remembered, but very few people. And that's not really what matters. But what matters, what's going to matter then is where our name was written, that it's found in the book of life. I'd like to leave that challenge with you all this morning. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our kind only fathers, we come here before thee again this morning. We thank you again for this opportunity. We thank you for this group of youth that have a desire to dig deeper into your word, to uh, learn more, to study, to fellowship together. We just pray your blessing on them today. and Through this term, each one of the teachers, all those involved here, We just pray your blessing on each one. We pray, too, for uh, continued health and those that are sick. We pray for healing. We pray that most of all you might help us to stay focused, to get our focus on the things that really matter in life and to know where we stand, to seek to have your mind, the mind of Christ. We just want to commit each one to you. And pray your blessing on each one. Pray for those today, especially that are being persecuted for your name's sake. For those that are speaking your name, sharing your delight, that know that by doing so they're putting their, 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 their there's a death sentence on them. Just pray that you for their protection and for their for grace and for strength and courage. And help us to. Be your hands and your feet. Be willing to reach out where you call us, whether it's right here, whether it's in other countries, whether it's in these dangerous places. We just pray that, that uh, we might follow you regardless of where you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.